Now is not the time for you to drift away from God, but rather to draw nigh unto God, to get close to God, and He will get close or draw nigh unto unto you. There are some things, some things by your God-given heritage, not because of who you are, but because of whose you are when you're born again of the water and of the Spirit. There are some things that you don't have to just live with. There are some things you don't have to just uh, accept. Uh, You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live with fear in your life. Fear is the appraisal of danger, whether real or imagined. And most of the time, fears are imagined. Most of the time, the things that people worry about and are scared about never do actually happen. You don't have to live with that worry. You don't have to live with that anxiety. Worry is the feeling that that results from that appraisal, the appraisal of fears of what if this takes place. Worry puts faith in fear and not in Jesus Christ. You're putting your faith in the what-ifs and the fear of this happening or that happening rather than putting in your faith, uh, your faith into the Lord Jesus Christ. Fear is the rejection of faith. You don't have to live with a critical spirit. You can have faith uh, and you can trust people. Some people have been hurt by so many people that they can't put their trust in people. You can trust uh, people. Somebody say amen. You don't have to live with low self-esteem. You don't have to live uh, with addictions. Uh, You don't have to live uh, in sin. The blood of Jesus Christ can set you free this morning. And if you believe that, can you put your hands together and clap to him one more time? Some have let these things come into their life and and they lived with it so long that they think that's just the normal. That's just uh, par for the course. Uh, But that's simply not uh, the case. Whatever you're going through, recognize that God is in control. And if you don't think he is, uh, maybe your hands are too griply tightening, controlling or try to wrap your hands around the situation. What you've got to do is unpry your face fingers from that uh, turn it over to God uh, and understand that he is sovereign and that he is in uh, control does anybody believe that God is in control. Don't be worried about your health. He's still the great physician. He is still the healer. He still can make all things new. Don't be worried about your finances. He'll supply all your needs according to his riches in glory, but you got to put him first. Don't worry about your children's future. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. The same God that cares for you, the same God that takes care of you, will take care of your children. Don't worry about your feelings of insecurity because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You are a child of God. You are royalty. We're joint heirs together with Christ. Somebody say hallelujah. 
You've not been given the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Depression has to go. You don't have to be tormented in your mind. I don't know why this thought came to me, but today I want to, my, I think my wife is teaching in Sunday school, but uh, today is her birthday, so I honor her today. My wonderful, wonderful wife, and, and I'm so thankful, so thankful for her, and, and uh, she's a blessing to, to me and to my children, and, and I don't know what in the world I'd ever do without her. I hope I, uh, I'm not ever going to have to think of what I have to do without her because she's mine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, and, and I'm older than her, so so I uh, uh, don't have to worry about her dropping off before I do, and, and uh, I, 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 I don't know what in the world I, I would do without her. She literally takes care, takes care of me and mine, and I give her honor, give her honor today, and I'm thankful to the Lord, to the Lord for her. Somebody say amen. Amen. Could we just honor her and give her a hand right now? Amen, amen, amen. Jesus called Lazarus from the tomb. And he does more than just raise people from their dead situations. You see, we, we, we concentrate and we, and we celebrate repentance. We celebrate it, and, and, and rightly so, because the Bible says that the angels in heaven celebrate on, on, on these things. When, when a sinner repents... They're, they're celebrating in heaven, and we celebrate those things. When we baptize people in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, we celebrate these things. Amen? We celebrate them, and, and, and rightly so. And, and when somebody's filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit for the first time, speaking in other, other tongues as the Spirit of God gives them that ability to speak, we celebrate those things. Amen? And rightly so, rightly so, God just did miracles in those individuals' life. No miracle like the miracle of salvation. Somebody say amen. Nothing like that in all the world. And if you've never experienced any of those things, you can experience those things today. But a lot of times we... we, we you know, it almost feels like people get left there. And, okay, now they've, they, they've received a, a, a the starting block, so to speak, or they've come to God, but yet they have issues and they have problems and they have difficulties that aren't solved by just those things. They're not necessarily all solved just because they receive the Spirit of God, just because they get forgiveness and remission of sins, just because they have the name. They still have issues that are going on in their life. People get resurrected. People get resurrection power. People get forgiveness of sins. And we don't want you to think that after that takes place in your life that you're just forgotten. Because we understand that even after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he tells the people to loose him and let him go. Why? Because uh, Lazarus still had the trappings of death. Lazarus was still wrapped in cloth. He was still uh, a tight, almost like a, a cocoon. And, and he had the trappings of death uh, upon him, and he needed to be loosed uh, from that. God raises people from their dead situations. Uh, we know that. He is the imparter of life uh, wherever life is missing. 
But we've got to understand that just because life comes into them does not mean that they may not be trapped by some other things in their life. Trappings of death still holding on to them. That's why Jesus said, loose him and let him go. He first gave him life, but now he wants to give him liberty or freedom. And you can be unwrapped from whatever has been holding you hostage. He can loose you from the things that have entangled you and tied you up in life some folks blame everyone and everything for what's going on in their life they point fingers at individuals for treating them wrong for doing this and doing that to them when a lot of times it comes back to your own decisions that have brought you to where you are today you've made wrong decisions and wrong turns you've headed in wrong directions and the result has been your captivity you're tired of being chained you're tired of being held hostage you're tired of everything else controlling you instead of God controlling you you're like butterflies that are freed when they're leaving the trappings of a, a cocoon and, and they spread their new wings to fly. But as long as they're in that cocoon, they're not what they were created to be. But there's a process like we talked about last week, a, a process that gets them out of that cocoon. And sometimes it's not going to be easy. It's going to take effort. It's going to take struggle. It's going to take some work to get loose and to get free cocooned in the old way but Jesus Jesus many people are needlessly unhappy they have never become what God has intended for them to be they're still trapped in the cocoon of old things still cocooned into their old way but Jesus was sent to preach deliverance to the captives and set at liberty them that are bruised and his freedom is true freedom for he that the son has set free is free indeed you don't have to spend your time being what others tell you to be. You don't have to be concerned with the image that the world holds up to you to be ideal for you. Jesus alone can put you on the path to liberty. Peter was held, the apostle Peter was held in the inner prison. But the Bible says that prayer was made by the church unto God for him without ceasing. They prayed continually for Peter to be loosed it was a bad situation for Peter good thing is is that we can make our petitions known unto God we can take our needs we can take our burdens we can cast our cares on him for he careth for us and I'm so glad to know that things that are beyond my control I still don't have to be satisfied with it the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers prayer can make a difference it can make a difference you say but I, I, I'm just not normal I, I, I'm just not normal the condition in my life my, my whole life in itself I, I, I'm just not normal I'm, I'm messed up I'm, I'm damaged I'm what you would call damaged goods in 2 Samuel we read a story of a young man that was born into a royal 
family. He was a descendant, a descendant, a grandson of a king, son of a prince, grandson of a king. His name was Mephibosheth. On Mount Gilboa, King Saul and his son Jonathan fought to the death as the Philistines routed Israel's overmatched and under-equipped army. The common practice for an incoming king was to kill the descendants of the previous or the outgoing king to ensure his own family's throne. When Saul died and was killed in war and Jonathan was killed in war, David ascended to the throne. He had already been anointed some years before that. He'd already killed Goliath in the valley with his his fire smooth stones and the sling and took out that sword and, and, and severed the head off of that uh, giant Goliath so now in the death of Saul will be the elevation of David to uh, the throne and as it was the pandemonium uh, in the former king's house and, and the exiting of, uh, of the throne or the palace so to speak and, and, and in that so doing and all the confusion and all the fleeing and and knowing that a new king and a new family would be the monarch there. Young Mephibosheth's nurse dropped him. She dropped him in their fleeing. She dropped him, the young child. And in the drop, it it was something that injured him severely. During all of that confusion, she dropped him. And they managed to escape to the place called Lodabar across the Jordan, but the fall permanently crippled the child permanently throughout his life he he was going to uh, uh, go through life uh, crippled uh, in his legs uh, crippled to where he could uh, not walk even though he was Jonathan's son and the grandson of King Saul Mephibosheth was destined to grow up in obscurity crippled physically crippled emotionally and spiritually dropped He was dropped by someone that was caring for him. He was dropped by someone that was supposed to love him. He was dropped by someone that was in overseeing him, overseeing his safety, overseeing his his, uh, safety and his well-being. But he was dropped. And Mephibosheth was the descendant of the anointed of Israel. Yet he exchanged the truth of his position for a lie of his circumstances. He had come to believe that his present life had to be chained to his past failures and his past tragedy. He believed that where he was and who he was was chained to what he had experienced in the past. He he is from Jerusalem. He is living in a place called Lodabar. He was living in Lodabar, the name of which means dry and barren. Literally low or no. And Dabar is communication or word. It was desolation. It was dryness. He was separated he was away it was the wilderness it was desert it was empty empty field no sowing no harvesting no growth no life 
Lodabar was never intended to be a destination or a dwelling place but it had become Mephibosheth's prison of emptiness and isolation he will be forever a pauper instead of a prince He'll be forever outside instead of inside. He will never again know comfort. He'll never again know ease. But will instead live in constant fear that word will get back to the palace of who and where he is. Living in fear. Living without hope. The only hope for Mephibosheth required that a promise, a prior promise be remembered and a cherished covenant be fulfilled because the new king, the now king, the anointed king David was friends with his dad, was friends with Jonathan, very close friends. And he had made a covenant. Jonathan did. Jonathan knew that David would be king and was anointed to be king and he said when you take the throne please be kind to my family please remember my family and David being the man that he was true to his word in 2 Samuel chapter 9 and verse number 3 remembers this promise remembers this covenant and he says is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show kindness the kindness of God unto him are there not any descendants there of Saul. Grace didn't begin with how good Mephibosheth was or how much he deserved or because of who he was. Grace did not begin there. It started in the throne room of the king and then it went looking for him. It went searching for him. He was forgotten by most everyone, overlooked by his friends, Mephibosheth was, uh, abandoned by his family, ignored by those uh, around him. But the king remembered him. The king remembered him. Folks, God's grace remembers us. God's grace remembers us. You may think that you're forgotten. You may think that you're an outsider. You may think that you're just off in the desert and all alone and nobody knows you. But God's grace is reaching for you. And God's grace will find you. You. I don't know how many have forgotten about you or neglected you or abandoned you, but Jesus Christ remembers you. He remembers you. He thinks of you. He is reaching out for you. He is searching for you. Mephibosheth was an afterthought. He was, he was a cripple. He had, he had nothing to offer, nothing to give, nothing to, uh, to offer. He was not remembered uh, for any self-serving motive. It wasn't anything about uh, what David could get uh, from him. David was not trying to gain by him. His motives were pure here. It was nothing but grace. 
unmerited favor nothing that he had earned nothing that he was getting rewarded for by, by doing something God's motives are pure as well it's nothing but grace the unmerited favor of God that causes him to call to you today that causes him to reach for you today it's not because of you but it's because of him it's his grace and God's grace goes Goes to where we are, reaches to where we are. David sent one someone to where Mephibosheth was. He goes to where he is. He goes to. He's not forgotten. He's he's remembered. He searched for it. David sends people to where he is. He he'd been wounded. He'd been maimed by one who loved him and who had the responsibility to care for him. Perhaps you know just how he felt because you've been wounded by someone who was supposed to care for you. Someone who was supposed to prevent your in injury. And the king wants you to know that there is a place for you in the palace that he's got a seat at the table for you that he's offering it to you today Mephibosheth was not able to come on his own life had crippled him life had messed him up so David sent men to carry him David sent men to carry him back. You see, the king's grace is dependent on his ability, not yours. Mephibosheth, you may not be able to get to where the king wants you to get to, but David has the power and has the people to get you and to carry you back to where he wants you. You may not have the power to do it by yourself, but God has the power to get you where he wants you to be. So David sent men to carry him. You see, the king's grace is dependent on his ability, not on your ability. You're not doing this on your own strength. You're not doing this on your own power. It's going to be on God's power. It's by his spirit. It's not by might, nor yet by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. When you can't go any farther, his grace will carry you. Second Corinthians 12 and 9 said, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Grace has invited you to come and sit at the king's table today, but it's up to you. The invitation, the offer is there, but it's up to you to accept that and to come and to dine, so to speak, to come and to sit. He could have said, no, I, I think I'll just stay right here. I've grown accustomed to what I have and suffering is just my lot of life. I, I, I'm just an unlucky individual. It seems like any time I try to do something, something bad happens. I, I'll just go ahead and, and, and sit right here and, and, and take my lumps and go ahead and live life, uh, live life as it is. You have to let go of your crippled past to experience the wonder of what the king offers. You have to let go of your 
your past and reach forward to what the king is offering you. Mephibosheth's whole life was crippled. Bitterness and fear and anger and that why me? And all justified responses we could say. He had to let go of those things to come forward. He had to let go of his past to accept the invitation. And the king invites you to let go of some things and to grasp the hand of grace this morning and allow the king to bless you and allow the king to have what he wants in your life. His thinking could have easily have crippled, uh, have been crippled. No, no doubt uh, he felt worthless. No doubt uh, he felt dirty. He called himself, if you look at the dialogue between him and David, he called himself a, a, a dead dog. What would you need with me being a dead, a dead dog? When the king summons him, that's how he identified himself. That was his self-image, a dead dog. He didn't think very highly of himself. Can you imagine what it must have felt like to realize that the king valued and the king cherished him after he felt like nobody cared about him and nobody knew about him and he was nothing more than a dead dog to get that reversed in his mind and say, oh no, the king's calling for you. Oh no, the king cherishes you. Oh no, the king has valued you. I want you to know today that the king cherishes you. He values you. He delights in you. You are not born to be depressed. You are not born to be discouraged. You are not born to be lost. You are not born to be sinful. You are created in the image of God. He has a mansion for you in heaven. He gave his life for you he has come according to John 10 and 10 that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly David called him to a new position an intimate one he shall eat verse 5 says he shall eat at my table he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons just like one of my own sons, he's going to eat at my table. He enjoyed the position of being a son. He had the king's ear. He could commune with him. Not, not merely a servant, not in the outer room, but, but as a son at the table. And God wants to be near to us. He wants intimacy with you. He's not just offering you a spot in the courtyard somewhere. He's not just offering you as the prodigal when he came to himself and said, hey, I can go back to my father's house and just be a servant there. The servants there have well enough to eat. I'll just go back and work for my father. But the father took him back and said, no, you're a son. You're a son. Put the ring on his finger. Kill the fatted cat. Get the robe. My son who was dead is now alive. He's come home. He's come home. So Mephibosheth was offered a, a place at the table just like one of the king's sons and he'll adopt you into his family. He'll take you back. He'll, he'll take you and he'll set you just like a king's son. There's something about, about being adopted. 
You know, anybody, anybody that, that, that physically and biologically has the ability can create life. They can. It's, it's a biological thing. It doesn't mean that they're a capable father or that they chose what they have or, or that they're going to be good at what they have and, and all that. But you know what? You know what adoption does? That individual or those parents actually chose to adopt. They, they, they picked, some, you know, they said, hey, we want you. We want you. They don't just do that by accident. They don't just, oh man, look at this quote unquote mistake, which nobody's a mistake. Somebody say amen. You're, you have purpose in your life. But somebody, a parent that, that adopts one, they chose them. Folks, we've been adopted and grafted into the vine. We are adopted. We're, we're not only heirs, we're joint heirs together with Christ. We are chosen by God. We're chosen by God. And that's pretty much what, what David here does here. It, it, and he says, you'll eat uh, as one of the king's sons. Uh, and it was a perpetual position. Uh, it was perpetual. The, Thou shalt eat bread at my table, not just this one time. Uh, I didn't just come uh, and bring you here because it was, it was going to be a special day or, or just this special occasion. No, I want you to eat here continually. This isn't just a one-time thing, uh, but I want you coming back uh, and you've got to access to come back and sit at this table and eat continually anything you need anytime you need it you need encouragement it's here you need healing it's here you need deliverance it's here you need help you need hope you need salvation it's here you need forgiveness a new start grace is reaching for you this morning and Jesus Christ is here and anything can happen because he is here. Somebody say hallelujah. Lift your hands to the Lord all across this place right now. Lift your hands to the Lord and just talk to him. Just thank him for, for his, him accepting you and, and inviting you and giving you a place in the kingdom of God. Giving you a place that grace reached out. That grace reached down. That grace was able to, to draw you and pull you and bring you to a place that you wasn't. To a place maybe that you didn't deserve. To a place that, 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 that you could have never earned on your own. But by by his grace and by his mercy, his love, he reached down and he invited you and you've accepted that invitation to sit at his table and to be a son, to be a daughter, to be an heir, to be a joint heir together with Christ. David's grace was not based on what Mephibosheth had done wasn't because anything that, that, that Mephibosheth had, had done in himself. Mephibosheth wasn't receiving favor because uh, of what he'd done or, or the work that he did or, or, or somehow was doing. He was being blessed because of Jonathan, his father, and because of him and David's promise together and covenant together. Fear not, David said, for I will surely show kindness for Jonathan, thy father's sake. Mephibosheth enjoys the benefits that another paid for. His father bought what he was 
enjoying we too have the favor that another paid for when Jesus Christ hung upon the cross suspended between heaven and earth he paid the price for you and I to be saved he paid the price for our sins for our transgressions he paid the price for me to enter into fellowship with God closeness with God not because of me but because of him Perhaps you've come today with that opinion that you're damaged goods. But I've come to tell you that you're a candidate for grace. You're a candidate for the mercy and the love of God to smile upon you, to shine upon you, to draw you, and to give you a new life. You are right where you need to be this morning and He'll receive you with open arms. He'll take you. As a matter of fact, He's searching for you. He's looking for you. He's going to send His touch and His Spirit to draw you. For no man cometh to the Father except the Spirit draweth Him. So I believe that He's drawing even right now. He's searching even right now. He's pulling for you even right now he wants you he wants fellowship with you he wants closeness with you he's welcoming you he has a seat at the table for you it says Mephibosheth who was crippled in both feet lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table you could insert your name right there and just say, and you and I who were broken now eat regularly at the king's table. Yes, he pursued you. Yes, he cared for you. Yes, he restored you. And yes, he's given you a seat at his table today.